0: Welcome to the podcast at ThatGuitarLover.com. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. How many times have you been frustrated with your guitar or bass seeming to go out of tune all the time? Do you avoid string bends because the string comes back out of tune? Do you eschew vibrato systems because every touch of that bar sends the guitar out of tune? Do you think that Bigsby is the spawn of evil. You have met the enemy, and the enemy is friction. Our goal as musicians in this regard is to manage friction. And any time a string touches anything, we encounter friction. Let's think quickly of all the things that a string can and does touch. First and obvious is the tuning machine. Then the string tree if one exists. Then the nut. Then however many frets you have on your guitar. Then the bridge saddle. And if the tailpiece is a vibrato type, then whatever allows for the vibrato to function by stretching or releasing tension on the string. Sometimes that's a bridge saddle, and sometimes it's something else. Finally, there is how the string is anchored. If this sounds like a lot of friction points... Well, you're right. When you've been tuning your instrument, have you ever heard what sounds like a ping? This is the red alarm warning of serious friction and string binding issues. Fortunately, all are addressable, some with little expense, and others may require parts changes. Let's start at the headstock. Tuning machines should be the most critical component of the tuning process. However, a lot of instruments ship with really lousy tuning machines. They may be simply really unrefined designs wrapped in a lipstick-colored package called Vintage. If your tuning machines have exposed gears, or they have a little pinhole in the tuning machine cover, this is a requirement for regular lubrication. Not dripping wet, but a small drop of fine machine oil, such as a sewing machine oil, is a good practice on a regular basis. Some folks say that they should do this at every string chain, but not everyone changes their strings on a schedule. So my recommendation for this is to put a note in your calendar for the first of each month to drop a bit of machine oil into or on your tuning machine gears. For those tuning machines that have pinholes, where the holes are really small, you can buy needle oiler bottles on Amazon and then just be sure to use a very light grade oil that has relatively low viscosity. Viscosity is a measure of how easily the oil flows, and you want an oil that flows quickly. You can see it when you look at it. If this worries you, and you don't know what to pick, something like the very simple and readily available three-in-one machine oil is a very good choice. Be sure to wipe off any excess, and do detune and retune a few times to get that oil where you need it to be. Traditional tuning machines require wraps on the tuning machine post. This is for string retention, but the more wraps you have, the more string there is to stretch and bind over time. Avoid more than three wraps at a post, or if you can, upgrade your instrument to use locking tuning machines. The Fender machines by Schaller are very good as are the Grover or Cluson locking tuning machines if they're actually made by the company and not outsourced to a company whose last bit of work were cheap forks and knives. And unfortunately, that happens more than you might like. Good tuning machines cost. Cheap tuning machines are, well, they're cheap. My personal choice for replacement tuners are the Ratio Tuners by GraphTech. They're not inexpensive, but I think they're the best. Look for a full review on those tuning machines coming soon. Moving on, we recognize that a lot of guitars use string trees, particularly for the higher strings, to pull them closer to the headstock, so they engage the tuning machines in as perpendicular an orientation as possible. However, most string trees are just stamped, cheap materials and almost 98% of the time, they've got rough edges. You can remove them, file them, and polish them. But if your time is worth anything to you, and you never want to do this again, just order a set of Tech Tusk or Tusk XL string trees. Use the screw that was on the original string tree, and it's about a two-minute job. And a set of these trees will cost about 16 bucks and last for the life of the guitar. Now, I know that there are some metal string trees that look like they have little balls on the ends to hold the string in the notch, And they're certainly better than the upside-down umbrella-looking things that you find most often. But even those generate more friction than they're worth. As you can expect, though, the highest friction trees are those awful ones that have dated from 1949 and are still found on so many Fender instruments because they look... Vintage! In this case, vintage just means a very cheap 75-year-old design that's never been refined. Moving on to the nut and presuming that you don't have a Floyd Rose-style locking nut, this is the next place to address friction. Now, if you've got a real problem, you may want a professional to replace the nut or file the nut if it's not right for the string gauge that you use. If the instrument that you love, or only the instrument that you own, came with a plastic nut, you want to get that replaced. A top of line GraphTech tech Tusk XL nut will cost less than 20 bucks. Also note the gauge of strings that came on your guitar, because the nut that you have in place has its slots cut for that gauge of strings. So, if you like to detune or gent or go to heavier strings, you're going to need to have the nut adjusted so your much heavier strings fit in the slots. That's just a matter of fact. You don't want the strings riding on top of the slots. That's friction. If you go to super light strings, like the 7s and 8s favored by players like Billy Gibbons, you're probably going to need a nut replacement because the slots will be too big. Most factory nuts are cut for 10s, which will work for 9s and typically up to 11s but any larger diameter string is going to need work. Nuts are available made from plastic, bone, synthetic bone, and fake ivory, better known as tusk, or an advanced type of tusk called Tusk XL that has PTFE lubricant embedded in the product. Plastic nuts are always an issue because they wear fast and the plastic breaks down. I prefer the Tusk XL because it's the most frictionless. But some folks prefer bone, they swear that they hear a difference. The ability to hear a difference is most applicable on an acoustic instrument, but I myself have never heard a significant tonal difference between a good quality bone nut and any Tusk or Tusk XL nut. Plastic nuts definitely impact tone, and in a negative way. Whenever you change strings, you should be applying some form of nut lube to the slots with a very fine tool and that tool usually comes in the package with the nut lube. Big Ben Nut Sauce and the nut lubricant from Music Nomad are both reliable products. Now, you can also use graphite from a true graphite pencil, but it tends to be messy. It looks like hell on light-colored nuts, and it can be very difficult to get that graphite into the slots for the high strings where you actually need it to be. On to the frets. One of the things that I inspect on any guitar I pick up are the frets. Now, lots of folks are very smart and they look for fret sprout. This is where you feel the ends of the frets when you run your hand up and down the neck. The frets have not actually sprouted. The fingerboard has shrunk. This is usually indicative of you not keeping the guitar properly humidified, and this applies to electric guitars as well, or that the maker has used wood for the fingerboard that has not dried properly, or the maker has used a fake wood that has undergone some dimensional shift. Sadly, in the rush to get guitars into the marketplace following the pandemic, I've seen custom shop guitars using wood on the fingerboards isn't properly dried, and the frets start sprouting six months in. If you spend four grand on a custom shop guitar, or more, and you start to feel fret sprout, you're going to be ticked off. Now, if you do have fret sprout, get the guitar to a good guitar technician or luthier. More relevant to the playability and tuning is the feel of the fret surface. Properly polished frets are scarce in inexpensive guitars, and even guitars having a very high price tag arrive these days with the frets in the kind of shape that one would normally expect to find on a $100 instrument. I won't mention any names, but the letters F and G might fit. This is an easy fix, and should be done as a matter of course with every string change. To do this, you're going to need a couple of items. First is a set of fingerboard guards. They're just thin sheets of metal with a slot cut that allows the fret to pass through. You can get a set of three off Amazon for under 20 bucks, and the reason you want the set is that frets come in different widths. Their only job is to protect the fretboard when you're polishing the frets. The second tool you're gonna to need is a package of four zero or zero, 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 0000 steel wool, and that's available at any hardware store or on Amazon if you prefer. With the fretboard protector in place, take a small piece of steel wool and polish the fret surface. You don't have to press hard, and after about a dozen passes on each fret, It's going to make a world of difference. Note that this applies to any kind of fret, be it a nickel fret or a stainless steel fret. All frets benefit from a polish. You don't need any lotions or potions or overpriced anything to get a nice polish on a fret. You will notice an immediate difference because you won't feel any fret bind when you do a bend or even a bit of string vibrato with your finger you're also gonna find that your hammer-ons and pull-offs sound better. By the way, since you've got the strings off to do this, you should clean and polish your fretboard after you've done the frets. There's lots of potions and expensive tools to do this. I've got a simple two-step process. Use an alcohol-free cleaner. I like the pre-diluted Murphy's oil soap myself, but you can buy all manner of fretboard cleaners in the marketplace. You apply it with a microfiber cloth, don't pour it on the fretboard, and get your microfiber cloths in bulk from Amazon or the hardware store. Don't buy the single sheet $15 ones that have a Maker logo on them. You just paid 15 bucks for a three cent piece of cloth. Be smart. And when you're cleaning, be vigorous. Rub hard. You can't damage it. Now do note, that many makers, in order to make their fretboards look darker than they really are, particularly with ebony boards, ebony is naturally irregular, it's not all black, you may see that that first rubbing takes a lot of brown stuff off. You're removing dye. It's the reality. Now, if it really bugs you, don't rub so hard. But really, the dye isn't helping any. Once you've got the fretboard clean, it won't be sticky, but it may look a little dull. So the second step is your fretboard treatment. Contrary to what you might read or hear, lemon oil is a terrible choice of fretboard treatment. It's an excellent cleaner because of the citric acid, but it dries out the wood very badly because of the citric acid. The fretboard conditioner that comes in the Taylor lineup is really quite good it's quite thick. You rub it in with your fingertip, wait a few minutes, and wipe it off with a clean microfiber cloth. My personal preference is Monty's Instrument Food that you can order online from Monty's Guitars in the UK. I've actually written about this product and I recommend it highly. It's a paste treatment that uses natural beeswax, amongst other chemistry, and it does a wonderful job. Rub it in generously, let it sit for a bit, then wipe off the excess with a clean microfiber cloth. This fretboard work doesn't do anything for tuning stability, but it's an excellent practice that helps preserve your instrument, and you should do it. And by the way, once you're done, take those microfiber cloths and throw them in the washing machine. You can use them again. We're now at the bridge. Many guitars come with vintage style bridges and saddles, and all that really means is old design. Again, I will propose that if you're feeling any kind of string binding, your bridge saddles need work. On an acoustic guitar, get a tech to replace any plastic saddle with a bone or tusk saddle. All replacement saddles are going to need some fitting. None of them are just drop-in. So again, with a good tech, unless you are completely confident in your ability to install a saddle. On an electric guitar, you can replace the saddles with a more current design that is designed from the ground up to reduce friction. Steel saddles, if really well filed and polished, are okay. Brass has a nicer frequency response, but again, Tusk or Tusk XL saddles are best for friction reduction, particularly so if your instrument has a vibrato tailpiece. These saddles are typically user replaceable if you know what you're doing, and it's a pretty quick job so long as you understand that once you replace the old saddles, you're going to have to set your action and your intonation. Moving from a shared saddle to individual saddles can also help. Telecasters with those shared barrel saddles are never ideal. One of the two strings is always a little bit out. But... If you're gonna go to individual saddles, you might need to replace the anchor plate that the saddles mount to. So check with your guitar tech first. An alternative for Telecaster players are compensated brass saddles. It's a very inexpensive upgrade that makes a big difference. Anybody can do it. Just be sure to use a set of really fine polishing papers on the compensated plates, that's the flat section of the barrel, in order to keep friction to a minimum. On any metal saddle, a little nut lube never hurts, and can help address bridge tuning related issues. A fixed tailpiece is only an issue if the string wraps at the end of the string don't move easily through the holes. This can cause the strings to hang up when you're installing them, and then suddenly they'll release, and that's an unpleasant sound and feeling. So I will often use a fine needle file on these holes just to remove any snags or flash that could cause excessive string wear or string breaks. You only have to do that once. Vibratos are most addressed by good saddle maintenance. If, however, you have a Bigsby tailpiece, when the strings do come off, it's time for you to do some work. Remove the Bigsby spring and ensure that there are no rough edges on that spring. If you find that the arm is sitting too high or too low for your preference, this is a good time to replace the spring because there are options available. A lot of Bigsby tailpieces are not actually made by Bigsby these days, and the makers only license the name, and as a result, the build quality can be pretty lousy. My recommendation for any type of guitar maintenance is to have on hand a set of micro mesh sheets. MicroMesh is the brand name, you can get them from Amazon or Stumac or wherever you get your tools. First, polish the rod where the strings attach. Start with a low grit and work up to the highest number grit. So maybe start with a 300 and go up to a 12,000. You will be absolutely amazed at how much smoother you can make the rod that the strings mount to. Next, if your Bigsby passes the strings under a roller rod, pretty common... You need to invest time with the same tools in polishing this rod. Now this polishing is gonna take a little more time because this is where the greatest number of tuning issues happen. I've had a guitar that came with the Bigsby that went out of tune if you gave it a side glance and it now stays in tune extremely well. And the only thing I did was to polish that rod. Do be aware that if your Bigsby tailpiece is gold plated, you wanna be gentle as that gold plate is very thin and rarely comes finely polished. Because it's so thin, it's very easy to wear through. So be slow, be gentle, try not to overdo it. And if it does wear through, well, I hope you discover a proper hardened steel rod and not a piece of cheap white metal. While all of these things may sound like a lot of work, the entire process can be accomplished in under 30 minutes. And the payback is both immediate and tangible. Also, of course, never put old strings back on your guitar. A set of quality new strings from D'Addario or Ernie Ball don't cost a fortune, and new strings are always a pleasure to play once you've stretched them in properly. If any listener wants a basic tutorial on the practice of changing strings, please send me a comment or an email. I hope that you found this episode helpful and that by adopting these practices you achieve greater tuning stability. Always feel free to send an email or post a comment. I read and respond to all of them. As always, thanks very much for listening. Please subscribe to the articles and to this podcast so you get notified when a new one is posted. Until next time, I'm Ross, and I bid you peace.